This is B2B Marketing Methods. I'm your host, Terry Hoffman, and I'm the CEO of Marketing Refresh. Let's face it, embracing digital marketing is daunting. This podcast was created to make it more approachable. Join us as we talk to CEOs, sales leaders, and revenue growth experts who will share lessons learned and tips from their own journeys. Okay, welcome to B2B Marketing Methods. Um, really excited today to have one of our great partners and longtime clients, Cody Johnson, as our guest. And Cody is the CEO of SCS Technologies. And maybe we could start by you telling us what is SCS Technologies, Cody. Please introduce your company. Sure. Well, first of all, Terry, thank you so much for having us on today. It's been a pleasure working with you over the years and, and learning so much from you and, and really looking forward to uh, participating today. SCS Technologies is a designer and fabricator of measurement, uh, custody transfer, and vapor recovery skids in the midstream oil and gas space. So specifically, we are taking fluids, different molecules, primarily in their fluid form, and that could be LNG, it could be CO2, it could be helium, liquefied natural gas, or just uh, methane, or just petroleum. And, and we're, we're measuring it. We're writing the tickets for custody transfer to make sure the buyers and the sellers uh, get their correct change. And, and frequently, more frequently nowadays, we're helping with carbon management as part of the energy transition. So that means we're measuring leak detection for CO2 pipelines. We're measuring hypercritical CO2 and doing custody transfer of it to make sure people get their, their correct credits uh, 45Q from the IRS, uh, as well as capturing uh, methane, stray methane emissions uh, in the midstream space and re-injecting them into the line. Okay. Wow. That was like a little mini chemistry, revisiting my high school chemistry class for a second there too. <laughs> um, that's right. It's all about yeah, the molecules. That's right. Well, I know you recently joined and you know maybe you could talk about the transitions that you've gone through in your career and what's led you to, to joining the team. And I, I, you know, I have a lot of information about the mission that you're on at SCS and I'd love it if you can just unfold that story a little bit and about how you arrived and what your mission is. I'm a four time uh, CEO. This is the fourth company that I've led. I've worked throughout my career with private equity. Some of the two of the businesses I started and sold and two of the businesses I took over after the, the first institutional buyer purchased them and then uh, they brought me in to, to manage. And so typically, you know, what, what I'm doing at this stage in my career is I'm, I'm coming in and preparing a company between the first and second institutional buyer. And what that typically means is, is putting the structure in place, the organizational structure in place, followed by processes, procedures, work instructions, and then systems. Frequently uh, now that means digitization and more and more it's meaning AI. Recruiting the key people, getting the strategy in place, getting the performance compensation plans in place, and the marketing in place, which we're here today to talk about to align all stakeholders, and then executing. And mm -hmm. so it's really a, one way of saying it is, when I come in, a company's in its, in its growth phase, again, between first and second institutional owner, and it needs to be professionalized to, to, to be ready to continue for a strategic buyer, a financial buyer, or an initial public offering. Okay. I'm sure before you joined, you had options, right? So you had probably a few choices 
on the table, what really drew you to SES? Like what, what was exciting yeah. about that? Yeah, I did. I, I was very fortunate. I had I had three options uh, to choose from, and the, the what really drew me to SES was the ability to participate in the energy transition, energy transformation, carbon management that's going on, particularly here in Houston, where that I office and where my family and I live, and so you know, really exciting space at the moment in the in the city of Houston and and in in the world in general. With regards to energy, for decades we've been having a, a a conversation globally about clean energy and about can we get there with molecules or can, do we have to only get there with electrons? And mm -hmm. so, you know, electrons are your are produced. Electricity is managed and produced energy via electron with hydro, with geothermal with wind, with solar, and hydrocarbons are, are produced with petroleum, obviously, and molecules are produced with petroleum. And so, you know, finding a way, the, the energy trilemma, you know, sort of tells us that we obviously need to be good stewards of our environment and develop clean energy to, to, to fuel the growth of, give energy to the, the population growth that we've got. Our po global population, since my parents have been married global population has uh, gone up 400% from 2 billion to 8 billion. And so that's a big part of the energy trilemma. We, we need to provide reliable, affordable energy to the, to the planet, but we need to do it in an energy dense and, a, and an environmental way. And so really, you know, I think the world has come, uh, most of the uh, world has come to the conclusion in the conversation that really Im improbable to get there to, to solve the energy trilemma in the next 20, 30, 50 years without continuing to use molecules. We just can't get there with the electrons quickly enough, especially okay. since we think that 8 billion population is going to 10 billion by 2050. So we need to figure out how to manage the molecules, the hydrocarbon molecules, without destroying the atmosphere. And that means carbon management. And so particularly methane emission reduction capture and CO2 capture and sequestration. And so having the opportunity to work on that really meaningful and immediate problem here at SES was what brought me here. Okay. That's, that's exciting. I mean, it's exciting when you can put like meaning into your, to your work. Not all of us are, you know, doing open heart surgery and saving lives every day <laughs> in our day-to-day -day world, but you know, you have an opportunity to make a huge impact on the earth and our planet and our, our livelihood in that role. And I'm curious when you, when you started and you took on the role, what were some of your top priorities? Like what were, what were the things that you knew immediately? I've got to start diving into these things. And, and how did you set those priorities? For me, you know, I've done, again, since I've, I've been doing this for a hot minute, I've got sort of a playbook and a checklist and, and so again, it's all about having, you know, there's a three-legged stool. I like to tell our, our staff there's, you know, we have to have a strategy. We have to have a vision of where we're going, a strategy of uh, how to, uh, of how to accomplish that and an immediate plan. That's, that's the first leg of the stool. The second leg of the stool is everybody on the team has to know exactly what their role is. And then the third leg of the stool is the what's in it for me leg. You know, if we if we get to where we're going, what do I get for that? And so very clearly defining that 
is very important. And then the messaging is important to that, which again, we'll talk, we're here to talk about marketing. And so we'll talk more about that today, but, but so coming in and, you know, the first hundred days is, is always about an evaluation of what should the vision be? What is it? What should it be? And then with regards to the plan, we have to start looking at, do we have the people to accomplish this goal? We know we can't manage things if we can't measure them. So do we have data systems in place to correct, to collect the right data to be able to manage what we're trying to do? Uh, mm-hmm. Do we have an issues list? Do we know exactly what, what, what are the obstacles that, we're, that are going to need to be torn down? Do we know the opportunities for which resources are going to need to be supplied? Those, all those things go on our, on our issues list. Is the business in a, I like to call it cadence. My brother likes to call it rhythm. So it, does the business have a cadence? Are, you know, do the departments meet each week? Does the senior leadership team meet each week? Does the executive leadership team meet each week? Is there a 90-day all-hands meeting? Are those meetings or the agendas always the same? Do they start on time and end on time? Th- those sort of things. And are they yeah. are the agendas built around alignment and communicating alignment? Because if you, if you've got the right strategy, uh, you've got the right vision, you got the right strategy, you, you you have the right plan. Really, everything else is around alignment. Okay. Well, I know you've done something pretty interesting and innovative in terms of how you look at revenue growth. And it ties to your organizational structure. And I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about how you developed that structure and what you call it and how that fits into the overall organization. Because I yeah, think that ties yeah. directly to how marketing fits into the conversation, right? Very much. And yeah. we're very excited about it. But one of the things that that I'm doing differently at SCS than I did in the other three companies is I spent, I actually spent a, a week in Cambridge as I, as I uh, do each year and discuss this with my professors and fellow alumni or executive education participants in, at Harvard. And one of the things we were, you know, we were really focused on business organization and, and strategy. And one of the things that I came away with there after uh, a week of discussions was we decided to create a department of business transformation. And that department has a strategy branch and an innovation branch. And our marketing is underneath our strategy branch. So it's not, in, it's not underneath the sales part of our organization any longer. The idea is to be very, very clear on how that you're going to deliver stakeholder value, what innovations and what strategy uh, strategies you're working on, what, mm-hmm. what exactly are those initiatives. And those initiatives should attract and repel all the, they should attract all the right stakeholders and repel all the wrong stakeholders, whether that be customers, vendors, employees, investors, lenders, even your community. Right. So all stakeholders should either be appropriately attracted or repelled. And what better way of doing that than marketing to them what you believe are the exact focus, strategic and strategic and innovation initiatives that you're working on that's going to differentiate their experience, their stakeholder experience with your company? Yeah. Wow. That is that's very different. How has that been received inside of the company because it's a non-traditional approach typically at a b2b business particularly in um, the energy industry and particularly with the manufacturing arm you're seeing a vice president of sales and marketing 
and then there's a director of marketing or a marketing manager that reports to them. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong. That works very effectively in a lot of sure. with a lot of our clients. But what was kind of a driver to pushing you that direction? You you just kind of gave some perspective, but I'm wondering why you felt like putting it there versus the traditional spot was going to give you an advantage. Sure. Well, one of the experiences that I've had in 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 my, the previous three companies I've led is you get to a certain point in growth and you start hitting your head on glass ceilings. And one of the solutions, one of the hammers to get through the glass ceiling is diversification, uh, whether that be of products or of markets. So mm -hmm. products to the same market or in entry into new markets. And, you know, what I've found over the years with that is if you're a, a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So you, you keep playing the same playbook that got you here, but all of a sudden it's no longer going to get us there. And yeah. so with SCS, you know, one of the things we're definitely doing different and we're excited about it, but it's required, you know, the oil and gas industry, the petrochemical industry is definitely going through energy transformation. We definitely have a change in psychology. We definitely have a change in goals. There's a total change in mindset and we, and we know this carbon management piece is something we have to do. So all of our customers are being very much driven by methane emission detection and reduction. A lot of their capital budgets are around that. A lot of their capital budgets are around CO2 capture and sequestration more and more. And so for us to remain relevant, we've got to adapt with our customer base. Yeah. Um, okay. And, you know, I mean, it's a good thing that we're excited about energy transformation and carbon management. But frankly, even if we weren't, we would have to adapt or die. It's going to be a mass extinction event in this industry. Those that don't do it are not going to survive. So in doing that, you need to innovate. You need new strategies that are coming in from outside the walls, from outside the fence, so to speak. And so so felt like that it was important, that that was important. The other thing, another driver is, you know, when we expect innovation and strategy and, and, and the communication of that, the messaging of that, which is for us, that's how we define marketing. When you expect that to happen inside your operating departments, that their main job is delivering their numbers for today, this week, this month, this quarter, you know, they have a very transactional job. They need to hit budgets. They need to hit delivery dates expecting them to innovate and change strategy and adapt the company sort of on the night in the evenings and uh weekends isn't uh you know that's the I'll, we'll try harder strategy and you know don't think that's going to be very effective especially with something as foundational as what we're dealing with so felt like we needed full-time staff working full-time on just the strategic and innovation initiatives and again in messaging that Right. Yeah. So that completely makes sense. Now, what I'm wondering is because marketing still has to be supporting revenue growth, mm -hmm. i.e. sales, how do you make sure that those functions stay connected? Our vice president of the commercial side of our business and our marketing director, our strategy director, they meet multiple times a week. You know, they're very close. I think they probably talk several times a day. And so, you know, again, what we should and, and are 
uh, marketing is is what's unique about about our company, right? And so for us, one of the things that's most unique is we're building. Again, I've only been here. Next week will be my nine, nine month anniversary. So I've only been wow. here a little over eight eight months. So, but what we're really building is, you know, we're going to a company that's best in class stakeholder experience through digitization and AI. And so again, we're there's a lot of people that design and fabricate skids to do measurement and custody transfer. It's it's the experience of how how you do that. So a vast oversimplification is we're we're, we're going to be the first person in our in, industry to have a Domino's pizza tracker sort of thing. Wait, explain uh, that. Explain <laughs> that. You have to explain that. Well, for example, one of the initiatives that that is different about the experience with SCS than with our our competitors is our customers can log in to a customer portal. That customer portal shows exactly what stage of production. So we have about five stages of production. We have welding, we have hydro testing, we have assembly, paint, and I&E, instrumentation and electronics. And so they can see exactly where their skid is in the process. The data is not real time, but it's near real time. It's updated daily, so it's never more than 24 hours old. And they don't have to pick up the phone or email and wait on a, a, a return phone call or an email or, hey, I'll get, I'll get back to you to get a Gantt chart, to get an updated delivery. Our products are very technical. There's explosion risk that comes with them. And our products are are, are cost hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars and so they come with data books which are very you know sort of a an owner's manual but of a very expensive very dangerous piece of equipment or equipment that's to operate in a dangerous environment i should say and so the data book is compiled in near real time and can be collaborated on our okay. competitors are still sending out three ring binders right at, uh, yeah. two weeks after the skid goes out so, but communicating that to the to the customers, right? Communicating that to all stakeholders. If if that's the experience you want, you know, if you want to be able to order this incredibly expensive, incredibly critical piece of equipment, and know exactly where it's at, have very low transaction costs, uh, have a have a really you know transparent experience, then 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 you should come to us. If you really like your three ring binder that shows up two weeks after your product, you should be repelled from us. That's not, mm -hmm. we're not going to be a great fit. Yeah. So, but you're, uh, you know, you're really touching on something that is a big part of my mission as the CEO of marketing refresh is really getting the B2B world to understand that the same types of expectations that we as consumers have in our consumer life are transferring over to our business life. So, yeah. you know, people who are uh, Gen X are, are late 50s, early 60s. Um, we ha I'm in that generation. And using the Internet, yeah, that's, that was part of how we learned how to function in the, works, in the work world, in our business life. And so we're continuing to expect that those same conveniences when we're making business purchases, how we interact with a salesperson, or uh, the delivery of a product. We want the Amazon experience, so to speak, in that world now. And I think we've all as buyers in the B2B world have, you know, we've been okay with um, not having those conveniences, but I think that's really changing. And I love I, to hear I, that I you totally guys are out agree. ahead of that. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I would probably even go a little bit further and say our vice president and director level staff and and importantly, the stakeholders in our other stakeholders at that same level that they meet with that are making transactional decisions are are a generation younger than what you described. So, you know, I, I had a oh, meeting great. with one of our thanks for yeah, pointing that out. I had a, I had a meeting with one of our major customers uh yesterday mm-hmm. and uh our vice president of, of sales commercial and our, our director of marketing uh was there as was several folks from their side. So that sort of level. And, you know, we all went to lunch after the meeting and everyone at the table had, uh, you know, you start talking about family, obviously, and everyone at the table had kids from sort of, you know, two to six, except me, my kids are 20 years older than that. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, so they're, you know, I think sort of generally speaking, they're in their mid thirties. And so I think their expectation of a more digital experience, you know, they, they don't relish calling and having to talk to somebody about to get to get the update status updates on exactly where a project is that you know they really expect to be able to log into a a a, a digital portal that's off prem that that and they don't have to interact with a human being they need they can just log in and get the information as long as they have a device and an internet signal they want to have access to the data and so yeah. if we can't get if we can give them access to that data we believe that they're going to value that experience we don't know that or uh, that they will give us more price for that experience but we do believe they'll reward us with more market share and and, and i think that is uh, just likely to increase obviously as as time moves forward and again we we really believe that that experience that a you know it we were talking about digitization two years ago. We're we're now we're fre- more frequently talking about artificial intelligence. So, you know, if if you're not in a place to plug in AI to help to help make that e- experience even faster, better, more seamless, yeah. if you're not putting your company in a position to do that, you're likely to again be on the wrong side of a mass extinction event that's coming. And so, again, the way that we think about marketing internally at SCS is that has that, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with our products, but it has everything to do with our stakeholders. And so mm-hmm. that messaging that, hey, we, we get that and we're working on it and we're thought leaders in that space and we're ahead of everybody else. We don't have this all nailed down, but we, but you know, we've got what we call our MVP, our minimum viable product, sort of our Apple, you know, Apple One iPhone or whatever iPhone mm-hmm. One, and we're, you know, we get it out there so they can use it. We learn, we reiterate, and so just, just the marketing of that's how we think, that's what we're working on, and yes, we're going to deliver you a great product. It's going to have the best compressor, the best coolers, the best pumps and valves and flanges and but that's just the ante to the game. I'll, I'll, we're not going to, you know, that's such a mature product uh, approach. It's going to be very difficult to differentiate ourselves or our competitors differentiate themselves. Uh, we all use the same components. We all use the same technology to make the product. So the opportunity at the moment, we believe, is to differ, is to, we're going to make a great product. That's the ante, the, the unique value proposition is in the stakeholder experience that's delivered through digitization through ai 
we have a vision for that. We have a department that's working on it. We're, de- we're delivering on that and communicating to all stakeholder groups and bringing them all in alignment that if you're emotionally and intellectually attached and attracted to that idea, then you should work with us, irregardless of what stakeholder group you find yourself in. And if you're not, you know, if you can't find your, if you don't find yourself emotionally and intellectually attracted to that value proposition, then uh, it doesn't make you a bad individual and it doesn't make us a bad individual, but we're probably not suited to work with each other. Right. Well, and that's, that's important to recognize, right? So I, I love that you make that a part of your company culture and your messaging strategy. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you about, um, like, what are some of the qualities that you look for in somebody who's in a marketing role? And, and I guess I'm thinking about how that could be applied, not only across your internal resources, but also your external resources. I'm not uh, fishing for any compliments here either. (laughs) I, I think this is a learning opportunity for anyone who's trying to figure out how do I navigate finding marketing resources, right? How, how do I figure out what qualities are important? You know, again, I hate, hate to be a broken record, but I think it's all about alignment. And so I think the company that, that you work with to partner with on marketing, uh, you need to be in alignment with them or or it's not going to work. And a big part of that is, again, if you don't know your your vision, if your vision isn't crystal clear, if your strategy and your plan to accomplish that vision isn't crystal clear, if you don't know the type of stakeholders that you need to attract to accomplish that vision, and if you don't understand how they're going to answer or need to hear the what's in it for me answer from you, if you don't have crystal clarity on that, how do you get in alignment, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't, it, it's sort of like, you know, I would, I would tell one of my, one of my 20 something ch- year old children, if you don't know who you are, how are you going to get in a relationship with somebody that's in alignment with you? First, you have to know exactly who you are. So right. I think step one is, is you know, creating through discussion, excellent clarity around those points internally, and then be able to communicate those with clarity to your marketing, the, the companies or, or individuals that you're trying to attract and 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 ask ask the question: do, do, Are you in alignment with that? Like, does that right. are you intellectually and emotionally attracted to that? Because yeah. if you are, everything else will fall into place, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be the effort. There's going to be the curiosity. There all the, all the things that it's going to take to make the, the the relationship work between you and your marketing company, just like any other stakeholder, is going to work. But first, you have to have crystal clarity on on where you're trying to get. And, and your plan to get there and uh, and make sure you're in alignment. Right. Yeah. Well, so I guess going and taking one component of that alignment, you know, what when you and I first met, you were kind of at the, I would say, the front end of really learning about digital marketing and online marketing. What, uh, like, kind of connecting that back to alignment was there a domino or something that kind of tipped you in the direction of, okay, I'm ready to embrace this route. Like this isn't something that I've considered as part of the strategy to help grow a business in the past. Cause you, you led and sold and successfully ran businesses before you embraced that. Right. I I hope I'm a lifelong learner and that's, (laughs) that's very important to to me and in who I am and, 
and, and in what I do. And, and the, the marketing piece has definitely been a, a very strong theme in the last, you know, sort of five, six years of, of my ongoing development. And, and it continues to be. It, it, it definitely continues to be, and we keep getting more layers. But to, to answer your question, when, when, when you and I first met, your clarity and your group's clarity around what you do and how you do it, around your objectives, around your strategy, it, again, that I was very clear about what I needed and wanted, and you were very clear about who you were. So it made it very easy uh, or very efficient to, to be able to make a good decision. The, and part of that with regards to core values or core behaviors, you know, I think where that, where that you all uh, at Marketing Refresh and, and I uh, clicked very early was uh, around the, the concepts of, of transparency and accountability. And so everything that, you know, I, I'm, I've always been or I've been impressed with your firm since we've met with regards to how transparent and uh, and also rigorous y'all are. So you, there's a lot of rigor in your process. You're very transparent about what that process is and what our role is in that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you and then you hold us and yourselves accountable for whatever the plan is that we come up with together for execution of that. And you supply metrics to tell us how we're doing. And so again, that that all just you know, hopefully your listeners can hear that where that that really clicks and jives with everything else, of of sort of how I try to build a business and prepare a business to continue on their journey of growth. Yeah, yeah, and I well, first off, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It kind of reinforces what's part of our company values and our core values and how we operate is accountability and transparency, and. Going back earlier in the conversation, you know, I don't want this podcast ever to be a commercial for Marketing Refresh. My goal with this podcast is to learn about what our market needs so that we can constantly learn and do a better job of serving the market. But um, we actually encounter companies sometimes that I think initially like that we have that accountability and transparency, but it also results in them having to be accountable to things that we need to be able to do our job. And not everybody loves that part that component of the relationship i just don't think that you can successfully outsource a function any part of your business without having to take part in how that relationship is managed and directed and held accountable also and that accountability goes both ways so i think people who aren't prepared for that it's it's probably not a great point in time to do that outsourcing to yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with that. And again, I I, I would say that is going to be true of that of of all your stakeholder classes, but it's going to really show up in the stakeholder class of outsource vendors or partners. We because uh, again, if if you don't know who you are with regards to your vision, your strategy, your plan, then how how are you going to partner with someone and them actually help you? What are they helping you with? Right. right. And and that could be your marketing partner or an outsourced design and engineering firm in India, you know, saying mm-hmm. <laughs> irregardless of, of what that partnering relationship yeah. is, it's that clarity around self that I think I think it has to start there, because if you don't have that, then it's really hard to progress 
through the process and on the journey together. Yep. Yeah. Well, we can probably shift gears into the rapid fire questions I have. Okay. There, there. I've got my cheat sheet written down on my whiteboard. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Good. Okay. So start with this one. What is the best trip, your favorite trip that you've ever taken? Lake Louise in Alberta, Canada. So there's one and only one hotel that sits on the lake. It's a crystal clear glacial lake uh, in northern Alberta. And the food's fantastic. The, the scenery's fantastic, so on and so forth. But during the spring and summer months, you can either hike up to see the glaciers and or you can ride pack horses up. And my wife and I did both. There's probably about five miles up. There's a tea house that's been there for 150, 200 years where you can stop and get a little refreshment. Um, be prepared to see everything from moose to, to grizzly bears. And so, yeah, just, just, a, just a, a great time, beautiful place, very serene, very natural, not overcrowded. Okay, yeah, that sounds amazing. And just knowing the two of you, if they found a way to bring horses into the picture too, that was like yeah. perfect for the two of you. Okay, next question. Is there a musical artist or group that if you could see them in concert, so they can be from the past, the present, anything, who would it be? Uh, hands down, Louis Armstrong. And un unfortunately, uh, Louis Armstrong uh, died in 1971, a few months before I was born. And so I, I did not ever get to see Louis Armstrong in concert, but one of the first, because of his role in the Jungle Book, mm -hmm. uh, playing King Louis, he was one of the first sort of iconic voices that I can remember as a, as a young kid, and then just remained a fascinated both with his deep bass voice as well as his, you know, I think one of the better trumpet players that America's ever produced. And so he's he's one of about five artists that I listen to almost every day, almost always in the evening uh, in between the time I get home and sitting down uh, for supper with the family. You know, you think you know someone I would never, that would not have been my guess for you. So that that is really interesting to find out. Okay, next question. What is the number one book? that you find yourself constantly recommending to people? Dune by Frank Bear. I say Bear. Okay. I think a lot of other people say Herbert, but uh, <laughs> Dune. Yeah. And yeah, one of my favorite books and, you know, I've done, as I've been on my journey, my, my personal and professional journey, I've worked and lived in a lot of countries. And so mm. I have, I've lived and worked in Malaysia and in India and in Mexico spent months at a time in, in China and Tanzania. And so the, again, Red Dune, uh, when I was in junior high and it always, uh, stuck with me. I read it again here recently, about a year ago and always stuck with me, uh, lessons learned both psychological and sociological about the risks and opportunities when you're operating in an environment that's not your home. Hmm. I'm going to have to check. I've never read that book, which is, I'm a big reader and I, I've never read that one. That's on my list now. Um, might, okay. I'll, I'll ship you a copy. <laughs> there we go. My last question. What is the best job you've ever had? Okay. Uh, hands down C being CEO of my family. So, <laughs> Aw, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, no, although that's I know my... your 
wife, and I kind of beg to differ on that title. Well, my wife is CFO of our family. Okay, all right, okay. So right. I'm, I'm I'm the CEO <laughs> of my, of our family, and and she's the CFO of our family, and and we we are very much an extended family. We we live very closely with three generations, both both the one before us and the one after us. Very involved as as a family again across multiple generations, and and again having having a vision for where we're going uh having a plan to get there everybody understanding what's in it for them creating alignment uh whether it's with my wife's parents or our children mm -hmm. and and then going out and executing on that on that vision and and everybody uh being happy and being attracted and not repelled <laughs> so yeah uh i obviously have a very singular view of the universe and of human organization, but, but yeah. So being CEO of my family is definitely has always been and remains the best, the best gig on the planet for me. That's awesome. I love that. That's one of the many reasons that we really value work, knowing you and working with you is that answer. Exactly. <laughs> love thank that. You. Well, Cody, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I think you talked about a lot of different things that are going to help our listeners so I really, as always, uh, appreciate your generosity. Excellent. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or visit our website at marketingrefresh.com. 